Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you here on this Wednesday, October 4th. Let's make room now for the poll questions with the Diamondbacks winning game one over the Milwaukee Brewers yesterday. Do they get a sweep win tonight? Do the D-backs sweep the wildcard series with a win today at Milwaukee is the KDOS1060.com poll question. And yes, continues to lead the way. 64% of the vote, no, trailing at 36%. Obviously a wild change in how this series might go. What happened yesterday, and I have no idea what the end game betting was when the Diamondbacks were losing 3-0 in a series that they were not expected to win to begin with. But uh, that flipped rather quickly in the third inning with the Carroll and Marte back-to-back home runs and the Reno homers in the fourth inning. And then they add two more runs in the ninth and their bullpen uh, was tremendous. No runs and, uh, you know, six-plus uh, innings out of the bullpen. Uh, so they did a great job and, you know, their bullpen was better than the heralded and uh, more accomplished, at least statistically, uh, Milwaukee bullpen. Absolutely. It was a great outing from the bullpen there. Obviously, when you uh, put up a zero on the board, things are going well for you. Uh, run support there in the terms of uh, some home runs in the early contest of the game. But it was still 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position until Christian Walker in the ninth. So that's going to have to uh, get a little bit better, I think, moving forward. Well, the Brewers were almost as bad. I mean, they left 11 runners on base in a game that was pretty much a one-run game. And they went uh, three for twelve with runners in scoring position themselves, and you know they uh, they, uh, they didn't have a hit with runners in scoring position after the second inning. We will answer this question officially around 11.30. Still plenty of time for you to cash your vote, uh, kdos1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at kdosam1060, Bob had a conversation with Ryan Aber with the Oklahoman, talking Oklahoma football and the Red River rivalry contest that is set for Saturday. So who do you have Saturday at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas? Oklahoma plus 6.5 or Texas minus 6.5. So far, the mass is 85.7% on the Texas side of things, 14.3% on Oklahoma. Kind of hard to judge how good OU is, in my opinion. They have not played anybody that's really any good. Um, and uh, I didn't realize until Ryan uh, told me during the when we had him on in the first hour during the Sports Zone today, I, OU doesn't. After this week, they don't play a ranked opponent, at least as of right now. And I thought when I, when he said that, I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, are any of these teams in the Big Twelve going to be ranked during this season at this point? Because, uh, you know, the Texas Techs of the world have kind of fallen by the wayside already. I don't even actually, you know, who do they actually beat to get ranked at this point? Because this conference has been highly disappointing overall. 
We will answer that question on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. So this hour, a little bit, uh, we're going to be trying to figure things out in accordance to the FEMA national alert that will be sent down here about 1120. So you'll be experiencing that across all sorts of platforms. I even believe that you'll experience it on your cell phone too. So we'll go up until and try to take a break and coordinate it around that time. But as we continue on with the program here, we were discussing Frank Schwab's power rankings from Yahoo Sports in the previous hour. Uh, we had only made it through two teams, 10 and 9. 10 being the Browns, 9 being the Seahawks. Let's continue on with that conversation here. In the NFL, the Ravens coming in at number 8, 3 and 1 on the season. This is just incredible. I mean, the amount of injuries this this team continues to sustain year after year to p- key pivotal positions, and yet they're finding ways to get things done here early in the season. Lamar has not had a healthy roster around him with missing running backs, key offensive linemen, wide receivers as well, yet he's still being efficient here so far. The new Todd Munkin offense, still questions about play calling, et cetera, especially in that loss to the Colts. Uh, they were going up against a Browns defense last week, which was very impressive uh certainly that the browns having to start dtr short fields that helped things but they were perfect in the red zone uh and then questions continue as well for them defensively with some health related uh concerns too for the ravens yeah i I, yeah i understand the ravens won that game last week and that's actually i said monday uh, that's the best game i've ever seen lamar play as far as just accuracy decision making etc so those are all the positives and you're 100% correct factually on all the injury uh, problems that the Ravens have had the last couple of years. But on Sunday, you know, Watson was a you know, Sunday morning scratch in that game. And obviously Nick Chubb already out. So you know, they think they kind of benefited. Even though they had a bunch of dudes out, the Ravens did. Uh, I think that the, the Browns were more effective who didn't play or more affected uh, by who did not play that game than the, actually the Ravens were. Absolutely. I kind of am still waiting to see a little bit more from this Ravens team. Uh, I don't want to go all in yet uh, on this team has it all figured out. And and I think that that's probably a, a safe way of doing it. I agree. However, they've already won road games at Cincinnati and Cleveland. And this week they play at Pittsburgh. I mean, if they go three and oh in the division on the road, you can maybe kiss the division goodbye to everybody else. True there. Uh, Speaking of another division leader right now, it's the Lions. They're coming in number seven in these power rankings. They're three and one. Um, It feels like we haven't seen this Lions team in forever, right? Like they started uh, the season on a Thursday night standalone game against the Chiefs. Then they just had another Thursday night contest where they were completely dominant against the Green Bay Packers. Jared Goff, he has 6.9 completed air yards, 69.5% completion percentage on the season, touchdowns three interceptions I think some of these things come down to the defensive front continuing to be able to get pressure for the Lions with what they're trying to revamp that defense they've had some injuries but also now expected to get some players back off of suspension and pup list yeah their defensive front has been tremendous they're one of the best rush defenses in the league you know Hutchinson is we had an MIA you know kind of a no-show that second game of the season but he was the best player in the field in the Chiefs win he also was dominant last Thursday night in their victory uh so you know they're they've got a lot of good things going here and you know they've come a long way last year they were the only team in the NFL that did not have a scheduled primetime game they did get the final primetime game of the season 
the you know, flexed on Sunday night that game that they won at Green Bay. But yeah, that's how little the league thought of him. A lot of thought of them before last season, and this year, you know, two of the first three weeks of the season, they've had Thursday night games. <laughs> It is kind of interesting how that all unfolded. Uh, Coming in at number six here in Frank Schwab's power rankings is the Dolphins, three and one. You're coming off of a 70-point performance and then kind of a butt-kicking by the Buffalo Bills here. So who are who is this Dolphins team? To a 7.1 completed air yards, he has thrown for nine touchdowns, three picks, 71.3% completion percentage. This Dolphins offensive line ranks 16th in pass block win, win rate at 55%. I think questions still remain on the defensive side of the ball, and I don't think we have answers yet. Yeah, I never bought in even the, the 70-point game. I didn't buy into that crap. From that, uh, you know, the, you know the, the Ramsey injury, and now the fact that uh, you know the left tackle, you know, I've just gone completely blank. Who's been you know, used to be in New Orleans? Uh, he got hurt. Armstead got hurt last week, and you know when he didn't play last year, their offensive numbers were significantly worse. And I know that there was actually speculation out there that he could be out for the majority of the rest of the season. And if he's not out there, you, know, you mentioned the pass rush win rate. I got to say that kind of like Red River rivalry. I got to say those things very slowly. Um, but if he's not out there, that uh, win rate is going to get significantly worse. You and me both having to go slow with the pass rush win rate phrase. Coming in at number five, it's the Cowboys. They're three and one. So this is interesting. In the Cowboys' three wins, they've allowed 13 points, an average of 213 yards per game from opposing offenses, and they also have created, forced, whatever word you want to say, 10 turnovers. In the loss to Cardinals, they gave up 28 points, 400 yards of total offense, 222 of which came on the ground and had zero turnovers. Obviously, there is going to be a huge test for this Cowboys defense going up against the 49ers offense this Sunday night. And then in addition to that, because of the three wins with such dominant performances from the defense, I still have questions about the Cowboys offense. And when you just particularly look at the zone here, I think there's still issues and a problem for this offense because the Giants, they went three of four in the red zone. The Jets, though, they went two of six in the red zone. Against Cardinals, they went one of five in the red zone. And against the Patriots last week, they went one of four. Yeah, I'm not sure what to think of the Cowboys. Uh, I think it's a legitimate question to ask. Did they just not mentally show up for the Cardinals game? Uh, obviously, uh, you know, they a couple of you know, their key players, I don't think, mentally showed up for that game. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I'm on the 49ers this week in this game, which we're going to talk about. You're going to hear about this a lot, whether it be FanDuel spots or whether when we get to the Fred's Friday spread. I'm, I'm already on, in fact, I'm already on this game. Uh, what was it, three and a half, or has it moved? That is, that is correct. That, you know, so I didn't think it would go to three. If it does, I'll just take some more. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And, uh, you know, hope, for, hope for the best. We'll do the last one here before we take a break. Uh, the Chiefs coming in at number four, three and one on the season. Uh, who is going to step up and be an offensive playmaker for the Chiefs other than Travis Kelsey? You did have Isaiah Pacheco last week against the Jets with 115 yards rushing, 43 yards receiving. So maybe that's a, an area that Patrick Mahomes can turn to because we're not used to seeing Patrick Mahomes like this with 4.8 completed.
completed air yards, 64.3% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, and four interceptions. Yeah, I actually think the Chiefs' biggest issue is their offensive line. Not just the right tackle situation, but there are three studs in the middle, the two guards in the center. They haven't played at the highest level either so far. And, uh, yeah, they had some not-so-good moments in that Jets game last week, those three interior guys. Uh, you know, the Pacheco run, I mean, that was amazing. Uh, they certainly, you know, created a large cavity, as they used to call it back in the NFL films days. Uh, so that was the case. But I don't care who the receivers are, and I don't even care who Mahomes is. Uh, part of the problem is because those three guys, and certainly the right tackle has been a total mess, They've not played. They've not played to the level. I don't think it's anywhere near the level that they play when they won the Super Bowl last year. Same guys. Well, at least the 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 middle three guys are the same guys. Tackles are different, but uh, that that offensive line's got to have to significantly improve if they're going to you know maybe even have a deep playoff run. Well, it's interesting, right? The tackle positions, they clearly tried to make uh, make moves to improve those positions there. Moving on from Orlando Brown Jr., he hasn't been good with the Bengals so far, so that seemed like a good idea. But the tackle's in, in place here now. Um, maybe, the, maybe the left tackle for the Chiefs has been doing better than Taylor at the right side. Oh, yeah. Left side's not. In fact, you can make a case that uh, you know, the left tackle, whose Donovan name Smith. also escapes me, there you go. He's been the best offensive lineman they've had so far. And he actually led the league in holding bullies last year when he was with Tampa. Yes, he did. Uh, so we will save three through one of Frank Schwab's power rankings for the NFL on the other side of the break because we're making room for the um, national alert that is coming down the pike. So hopefully it comes at the intended time. And we've timed this all out properly. And then we'll be back on the other side with one through three plus your phone calls. If you'd like to chime in, 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll do phone calls as well on the other side side of the break is the extra point right here on kdos am 1060 online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports plenty more to come on the other side of the break Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. It's 1123 on this Wednesday, October 4th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you here up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We timed things out perfectly. I will I will include you there, Bob. We did a great we, we job. Did, we, we did it. All right. 
There we go. Uh, if you'd like to chime in, you certainly can. Now that your phone probably is back up and working, 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program. up and working. Okay. Uh, 602-260-1060. We'll continue Frank Schwab's power rankings as we go through them here. Uh, just as a quick recap for him, number 10, the Browns. Number 9, the Seahawks. Number 8, the Ravens. Number 7, the Lions. Number 6, the Dolphins. The Five Cowboys, four Chiefs, and we've landed here on number three. And number three is the Eagles. Uh, they are four and zero, oh, but doesn't it just feel like something is off with this team? But yet they're finding ways to win uh, numerically. Though I, I'm not sure where the big difference is. I mean, Jalen Hurts is still completing. Defense. Yeah, 67.7% completion percentage, five touchdowns, three interceptions. When you look at the numbers here for the pass rush win rate, (laughs) they are ranked eighth at 51% of the time winning there. They still have an incredibly elite offensive line. The pass block win rate, they come in at third at 69%, and the pass rush win rate first at 78%. Yeah, I think the biggest difference has been their defensive secondary. They've missed the guys. I think they've only played one game so far when their defensive backs have been intact. Also remember that Johnson left in the offseason. He was a big part of that defense secondary last year. He went off to Detroit. Maybe Jonathan Gannon not there anymore has made a difference too. But at this point, I think it's easier to um, kind of assess that just the personnel has been – not what they expected it to be because of some injuries. I think their offense is certainly, uh, you know, certainly against Washington last week, which has, you know, some real, uh, I think Washington has a good defense. Uh, they had no problem there. And I mentioned this, I know on Monday, and I'm probably going to mention it last year during the season. And I'm assuming I'm going to be mentioning this for the rest of his career. Jalen Hurts, you know, not only, you know, known for the, you know, the touchdown and the, what is that? The, brotherly love push or whatever the hell they're calling that now yeah the brotherly but, uh, push yeah there we go um but he makes some of the most clutch throws <laughs> i mean it's amazing some of the throws that he makes with the game on the line and he did it again last week uh so there's that but i think that uh, the one thing that to me that's looked different is the defense and i'm gonna kind of give him a flyer here until they get all their dudes out there. And I, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty sure they've only had their secondary intact in one of the four games. I should correct myself. It's the brotherly shove and the tush there we, push. That's it. Uh, that's right. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. Who can keep I combined not, the not, two. Not, not I. So, you know, I'm the one that asked the question to begin with. So maybe I should, like, write that. I got this little cheat sheet in front of me on my notepad. Maybe I put need to put that down there, too. Well, it's funny because, you know, obviously the Eagles are very good at this brotherly shove. Uh, You could potentially (laughs) look at what happened in that Commanders game that I believe it was the left guard may have left a little early, a little false start action there. But in general, they are very good at it. And then you watched Monday night when uh, the Giants tried to do it and it just had no push, no movement whatsoever. And two of their players got hurt in that play, the Giants. Uh, you know, their offensive line, which was already injured, lost another guy. And like, whoever the up back was, he got hurt too. Uh, I had this discussion yesterday at lunch with a uh, another fellow football fanatic. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, he mentioned, uh, you know, I don't know what Hurts squats, but it's uh, Jalen Hurts squats some in, in ridiculous amount. Uh, maybe that play works for them because he has such lower leg strength that it works even more so. Other teams seem to try it, and it doesn't seem to always work. Isn't like it like 600 pounds the, that he squats? It's some, yeah, some insane number. That sounds right. I mean, you could you know, tell me anything that sounds, you know, that I'm going to go, whoa, that's impressive. <laughs> but, but that sounds like what, what, what I've heard. But uh, So I thought that was a pretty good point, that you know, he's so good in the lower body that that's one of the reasons this uh, seems to work at a ridiculously high percentage. And for some other teams, it has been a massive failure. <laughs> Absolutely. Coming in at number two here is the Bills. They're three and one. Uh, since week one, when Josh Allen was not very good and productive, he has been great. He has thrown eight touchdowns and just one interception. He's had 76.8% completion percentage, and he's been sacked just four times. When you look at what this defense is doing here, specifically Leonard Floyd, he ranks seventh in pass yeah. rush win rate 28% of the time, and as a team, they rank third at 56% of the time. And then you factor this in, Von Miller is apparently uh, off the pup list, and he's pushing to return as early as this week in London. However, the Tredavious White injury is sad. I mean, he's you know, two years in the last three now, uh, gone down with a terrible injury. This was a torn Achilles this time. Uh, in addition to that, Poyer didn't play last week in that game against Miami. Ed Oliver who was dominant early in that game. I know that he left that game at least twice. I don't think he came back in the game at the end, but they were winning by 100 then against Miami, so I don't think there was a reason to throw him back on the field. But you know, Ed Oliver, who I think was, at least for me, kind of a disappointment his first year or two after he came out of Houston and so forth. But you know, he's been a dominant player too. So to me, their defense has actually been the thing that uh, – has been most surprising, but you know the fact that they've got some, you know, those are three of their key players right there. So hopefully those guys are okay. And the Von Miller thing, I mean, it was just last Thanksgiving when he went down with this injury. So that's a pretty quick comeback, uh, considering I uh, you know, tore an ACL on Thanksgiving night, and uh, we're sitting here first week of October, and uh, I don't think he's going. I don't know if he's going to play this week, but he's eligible to return this week. Uh, and number one on this list here from Frank Schraub with Yahoo Sports is the 49ers. They're 4-0. Brock Purdy, 6.8 completed air yards, 72.3% completion percentage, five touchdowns and no picks. Uh, they certainly have a tough, tougher test coming in with Dallas's defense this Sunday. I also wanted to highlight Brandon Ayuk here. 85% uh, catch percentage for him so far this season, and he has a 39.6% share of the team's air yards. He's been really productive so far this season in the connection growing with Brock Purdy. Well, it helps the, the catch percentage when the quarterback is 20 out of 21 in the game last week against the Cardinals. I think it was 20 out of 21, it was. right? Uh, yeah, so, you know, that, that's going to, you know, it's going to increase the catch percentage <laughs> if you have a quarterback that's uh, pretty much throwing the ball on target. But that was wildly different because, you know, that Thursday night game, especially in the first quarter and a half, uh, two weeks ago against the Giants, uh, Purdy could have been intercepted a couple of times and, I believe he started like three for 10 or four for 10 in that game. And then it seemed like he completed every pass for three quarters. 
Absolutely. Uh, what do you make of people's argument here that the 49ers shouldn't be the best ranked team because they haven't played anyone yet? I just watch him play. Well, I'm the wrong person to ask, Kayla, because I picked them to win the Super Bowl before the season started. You know, they've got a ton of guys in the final year of their contracts. I think it's just kind of a, the last, last rodeo with this group collectively, and a lot of you know, key players might not be there next year. And uh, Once again, I always hearken back that there's no human being that less, understands less about the salary cap than me. And I think it's just a complete waste of time to try to understand it because there are teams every year, the Saints for years, that you were, you know, they're going to be $100 million over the cap and they would figure out a way to keep all their key players. So maybe San Francisco will be able to pull that off. But I think they're the best team. I think that they have an urgency because it seems like at least not all these guys are going to be on this team next year, key players. So I'm all, on, all in on the Niners, and I'm all in on the Niners this week because I just think that they'll run the ball against the Cowboys, who when the Cowboys have actually, they've been, their defense has been great for two years now. When they've been ahead in games, they've been able to just beeline to the passer. When they've needed to stop the run, that's not been their success. But you know they've rarely been in situations where they've been behind and really have to stop the run. Some Arizona Cardinals news here as they begin prep work for the Bengals coming to State Farm Stadium this Sunday. The team released punter Nolan Cooney. They brought in Blake Gillikin. I believe Blake was originally with Saints, maybe on the practice squad or such here, but that was one transaction. In addition to that, the Cardinals cut uh, defensive backs Chris Boyd and Christian Matthew. Christian Matthew has since signed to the Bears practice squad. They also cut <laughs> offensive lineman Elam Manning. Jonathan Gannon said this week that nothing has changed about the pup guys, but we do have some pup information here. Most of the attention, obviously, on surrounding pup list is Kyler Murray, but you have to not forget about cornerback Garrett Williams, offensive lineman Dennis Daly, as well as linebacker Myjie Sanders. And today, the Cardinals reported that uh, they designated to return Garrett Williams and Dennis Daly. So they have three weeks now uh, to since this designation to get onto the active roster and play. Well, one thing about Murray on Sunday, the Fox broadcast indicated that he wasn't going to be back for weeks. Uh, and it seemed like they got that from Gannon. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is about the time that we were thinking he could potentially be available. Yeah. But uh, again, it was like kind of just, at least for me, it was all of October. So it wasn't like, okay, it's the first right. availability on October. He's ready to go. So I think that there's th this is still in line with uh, the, the timeline that I had in my head. And I'm just kind of going back to the Von Miller thing too. I mean, you know, coming back a year after that happens is a, uh, that's pretty, you know, I think impressive and you know, phenomenal. And I think most of the time, it maybe it's uh, guys just have genetics and be able to come back quickly. But there's got to be a, a massive amount of hard work to come back within a year from that injury. Absolutely. A couple of other NFL notes here. Mike Tomlin report told reporters that Kenny Pickett has a bone bruise on his knee. He'll practice some today, and the team will continue to evaluate him if he'll be ready to play Sunday versus the Ravens. Yeah, and I was really disappointed in Tomlin's press conference yesterday. You know, the, you know, the press conference after they got destroyed uh, by the Texans last week, he you know like promised that there were going to be changes and la la di da and so forth. And then yesterday, uh, he was he was he was I think vague is a, a kind term. 
As far as personnel changes, he really didn't give any information about personnel changes, whether it be coaching staff, coaching philosophy, coaching staff positions. I don't think they're going to fire anybody at this time of the season. Uh, it's a difficult thing to do, especially if it's in a coordinator situation, but I thought maybe they'd uh, change some responsibilities amongst their current staff. That's something that we've seen before in the NFL. But, you know, I watched this whole press conference, at least I think I watched the whole press conference, at least with part that they showed uh, on television yesterday, and I didn't really see anything that was out of the ordinary, nothing specific that he mentioned. Unfortunately for him, it's just not Pickett. Yeah, left tackle Dan, Dan Moore and also Friar Muth, uh, who you could make a case or after the quarterback are the two most important players on that offense right now because Johnson, the wide receiver, is already out with an injury. Uh, you know, those are those are really big deals heading into this week's game against Baltimore. And I mentioned if Baltimore wins this game, they're 3-0 and in the division, and they've won three road games. I think I already saw that Pat Fryermuth has been ruled out for Sunday's contest with the hamstring, but don't yeah. quote me on that. Uh, more well, and, and more is almost for sure going to be out. I saw, you know, just saw the replay of that injury, and you know, I mean, he deserves some kind of medical, you know, journal award if he's playing this week. Other news, you have Matthew Judon. He's set to undergo surgery on his torn bicep today. Christian Gonzalez has a torn labrum, the rookie corner that was certainly in the running for Defensive Rookie of the Year for the Patriots. Uh, so he'll be out for some time, and the Patriots made moves trading for J.C. Jackson. Yeah. Uh, they're going to swap 2025 sixth and seventh rounders for J.C. Jackson coming back home to New England desperation i mean that's the definition of desperation uh yeah jackson uh at least at some point in september i think it was like after the second or third game uh was uh the lowest rated corner amongst all the metrics people and they all everybody seemed to agree on this and uh watching uh, the chargers play he was awful uh the first couple games he was also put in some really bad positions i never quite for instance that miami game but, you know, the genius of the world, Brandon Staley, who was still amazingly won two games last week in spite of his stupid decisions and so forth. Uh, why did they play man-to-man defense for a large chunk of that game and put J.C. Jackson or anybody on Tyreek Hill without some extra help is mind-boggling. But uh, that had a lot to do with the bad ranking for Jackson. But he was also, you know, he missed some tackles. He was just atrocious. He also had some legal problems, and the Chargers couldn't wait to get rid of him. Yeah, I was going to say that. He has some legal situations he has to deal with in Massachusetts, actually. And uh, what comes to mind, though, you know, I know that J.C. Jackson was not good. He was also a healthy scratch in that Minnesota contest when the Chargers faced Minnesota. Sometimes, though rejoining Belichick's system uh there can be some success here you know a Jamie Collins comes to mind where he's had success returning multiple different times to New England so that's like the only hope that you have for probably your two best players on defense now being out for the team yeah and uh, sorry about this gloom and doom outlook here but uh it's not like the Patriots' offense is going to win them very many games their defense I thought was top 10 before the season started Uh, Without those two guys, they have no chance to be anywhere near the top 10. It looks like uh, the Rams have opened up the practice window for Cooper Cup, so that is something to pay attention to and how that role will 
resume itself with the emergence of Puka? Uh, Puka is an afterthought if Cooper Cup comes back. I mean, you know, Puka's going to, you know, he's not going to get 17 targets in a game, uh, which he did one of these first couple of weeks of the season. He's a second receiver on a, a team that has a number one guy, and he's a distant second receiver. Cooper Cup is anywhere what he has been before. And the Colts are also opening up the practice note for running back Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that's the interesting one. Is he at practice today? Because this was the day he was supposed to return to practice. I haven't seen anything about that yet, uh, one way or the other. Uh, but, uh, you know, first up, it doesn't mean he's going to play this week. Um even though they, they said on Monday, I know that uh, you know that they might, he might play this week, but I would assume what they'd like to do is just try to trade him. And uh, you know, I haven't heard anything from him uh, because he certainly sounded like didn't sound like he requested a trade, and that was like a month ago. And is any I don't think anything has changed at least publicly. I've, I've not heard anything from either side that that's changed. I have not either. Um, and then you just kind of look at this direction that the Colts team is going. You just have to wonder if that becomes just, hey, let's let's try to move forward here. This is a relationship that's yeah. not repairable. Yeah, and I don't know where they're going to trade him now, too, because, you know, Miami was considered to be the front runner. They seem to have an abundance of running backs now, so that isn't happening. Chicago was mentioned, and Green Bay was mentioned. Green Bay's got a bunch of dudes, and they're not – really good and Chicago is a mess why would they bother to trade draft picks to which they have you know, fewer of than they had before last year for Jonathan Taylor so where does he go even if they get traded poll questions they're next here on the extra point check out KDUSAM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2 that's right HD radio on 100.7 channel number two AM 1060, Wednesday, October 4th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's dive into it with today's poll questions. The Arizona Diamondbacks taking game one over the Brewers yesterday. Can they take game two and sweep today with Zach Gallen on the mound? Uh, what say you, Bob? Yes or no? I think they will. Um, with Gallen, uh, yeah, Peralta is the wild card here, though. Uh, because he has the stuff to be dominant and has been more than occasionally this year. Um, he was really dominant a couple years ago before he suffered massive and multiple injuries last year. Uh, but uh, the Peralta, is, uh, the, for the Brewers to win today, I think he has to pitch seven innings and really dominate, and then they can figure out their bullpen from then. You know, since they used all those guys yesterday, all their high leverage guys. Pitched in that game yesterday, including Devin Williams, who threw 31 pitches to get two outs in the ninth inning in a game that they were losing. Uh, so I'm sure the Craig Council must have thought at some point, well, we're going to get to the, you know, we're going to finally score some runs because they had a million chances to, you know, you know get closer. And, you know, that game yesterday was uh, the worst situational hitting playoff game in a long time in Major League Baseball between two teams. Uh, so uh, see what happens today. But Peralta's a wild card, but you got Gallon on the mound. I don't know if, 
you know, it'd be interesting to see if how the Diamondbacks, if they have the lead and, uh, and Gallon isn't able to, to throw a complete game, of which he's only had one nine-inning complete game in his career. Uh, but if the Diamondbacks have to figure out what to do in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, you know, Ginkle threw 30-some pitches yesterday to go through the seventh and eighth innings. It was a pretty quick inning in the ninth inning, so we're good. I think they're good there, but... Uh, but you know, there's some maneuvering, but I think they're certainly going in. The Diamondbacks would seemingly have a big advantage, not just with the pitching and the, the, the setup that I just talked about. That I can't imagine the Brewers are in the best psychological frame of mind after that game yesterday. Uh, so I, you know, said this ahead of time, ahead of this contest and series that the Diamondbacks are coming in. Just play free and have fun. You have a great chance of of getting this done here. There aren't these quote unquote expectations for you. Uh, just. Just go out there and, and have some fun and enjoy being in the playoffs. And I think that we saw that in yesterday's ball game and some uh, timely home runs happened. 0 for 7, though, with runners in scoring position before Christian Walker in the ninth. So going to have to clean that up a little bit here. But with Zach Gallen, the ace on the mound, you feel good about that particular situation. And I think the pressure still remains squarely on the Brewers. Uh, being down 0-1, being at home, the expectations that they had on their season uh, so I still think that the backs are in a great position and can get it done tonight. Yeah, I'll just add one more thing. I mean, rarely at this these, you know, best of three series do I bet on any of these games, uh, not even in-game, because you know, especially now because I'm not sure what the bullpen situation is for. I um, just thought, thinking off the top of my head, for three or four of the teams that played yesterday, I have no idea what they may do today bullpen-wise, so it makes situation or in-game betting a little more difficult. In fact, impossible in my opinion. Uh, so we'll see. But, you know, I think it's much, e- at least for me, it's much easier to bet on a series that are not best of three. Uh, and I usually bet on series and not on games. So we'll see if that continues in the month of October. But no wagering interest in any. You know, I'd be shocked if I bet on any of these games either. You know, I'm not betting on any games today. I'd be really surprised. have to be some kind of, kind of odd circumstances today for me to bet on a game tomorrow i'll just wait till we get to uh, the next round of the playoffs when we're not best out of three anymore the masses though this has been the shortest i think it's been all uh three-hour block long, but yes remains out in front. 53% of the vote, no at 47%. This is on KDOS1060.com's poll question. Flipping it on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060, Bob caught up with Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman talking all things Oklahoma football and the Red River rivalry game that is set for Saturday here. So who you have at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Oklahoma plus six and a half or Texas minus six and a half. Uh, you know, the question that we have had for quite some time is Texas back. And we almost asked the exact same question for Oklahoma uh, because you had just an unrecognizable uh, defense under a Brent Venables. I know it was his first year trying to get things all organized and underway. The defense was really, really bad last year, but we've seen improvements this year. The questions are, have they played somebody with the physicality that we have seen from Texas? And I'm not sure that the answer to that question is 
yes. Can they hang, though, with Quinn Ewers in the offensive line attack with the ground game for Texas? Uh, which line of scrimmage is going to win? On the flip side of that, Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel has been very efficient and very good, uh, but have they seen a defense like they will with Texas here? So questions abound for this. I do think it's going to be a close contest, uh, so I would lean in the direction of Oklahoma plus six and a half. I'm on your side. I think Texas is going to run them off the field. Um, I just don't know if OU's any good. And they've played four inferior, five, five inferior opponents. Um, you know, Oklahoma's defense has actually been really bad for a decade or so. Uh, not to the level of two years ago, but I mean, they haven't, their numbers through five games this year against inferior offenses are the best that they've been since the mid to first you know first decade of this century like in 2006 uh, i just don't think they're that good um if i'm wrong i'm wrong but i think that alabama is very good i will say one thing actually i think alabama because it's going to be texas because of the win at alabama could actually lose this game and still have a chance to re, uh, reach the cfp because you know they're one if they lose this game and they win out I think that uh, you can get a case for them to still be in because they'll have, they'll have that win at Alabama early in the season. I just uh, I'm far from convinced that OU is this much better in one year uh, than uh, than you know than you know, from, since they last played. They lost 49 nothing last year, and that game had all kinds of odd circumstances because Gabriel was injured and didn't play the week before, and they didn't have a quarterback that actually could literally complete a forward pass. Uh, so, but I just difficult for me to believe that uh, a 49 point differential one one year is in fact somebody wants to do the research on this god bless you give me a team that lost by 49 points to one team one year and you're only a six and a half point underdogs the next year the masses are in agreement with you. Uh, Texas minus six and a half, 85.7 percent of the vote. Oklahoma plus six and a half at 14.3 percent. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. We wrap it up on the other side of the break. It is October 4th right here on KDOS AM 1060. KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today in Oklahoma, Texas preview with Ron Aber of. Uh, uh, the Daily Oklahoman. I think it's just Oklahoman now. I don't know if it's still Daily or not, but it's the Oklahoman. Uh, sound of the day, courtesy of ESPN2, ESPN, Fox, Tex 105.3, the Rangers flagship. Also uh, TIBN and also WIP in Philadelphia. 
Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next, from noon to 1 o'clock, it is SportsMap Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Who with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. When it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks game two against the Brewers, Zach Gallen, Freddie Peralta, it's a 4.08 p.m. first pitch on ESPN2. Uh, some other things that caught my attention here. NBC is reportedly considering pursuing becoming the new home of the expanded college football playoffs in 2026. Preliminary talks have started. NBC was among five companies that made a media presentation. Of course, you have ESPN set to air the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the national championship in the year 2024 and 2025 with that expansion set for next year. Also, I saw Iowa lost quarterback Cade McNamara for the season with a torn ACL. Puts the offensive coordinator's contract stipulations of scoring at least 25 points per game clause into a twist here. Without Cade McNamara, they currently are sitting at 22.2 points per game. Wouldn't matter even if you were playing. You could put like 14 guys in the field and Iowa's not going to score any points. That'll do it for today's edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Hope everyone has a fantastic rest of your Wednesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow. The Sports Zone gets things started at 9 a.m. Talk to you then.